The version of you that people create in their mind is not your responsibility. This is the Wisdom Work Knowing Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. Thanks for giving me a shot. You can subscribe to the podcast on all of the major social networks, including Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. Get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now for this limited time offer at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. Let's get started. The version of you that people create in their mind is not your responsibility. Do you suffer under the weight of the opinions of others? This is an excellent, excellent quotation to look into and kind of unpack as we navigate an increasingly growing social media culture where the opinions of others is becoming more and more prominent and their actual knowledge of us is becoming less and less prominent. So let's try to figure out how we can separate what other people think of us versus what we think of us and maybe move into some strategies of what that looks like now. So we tend to generate, and, and, and it's not just what other people do to us, it's just as human beings, in order to make sense of the world, I believe we take very complex issues and we tend to oversimplify simplify them. We, we make generalizations. And, and we do this because we have to function. <laughs> we have to find a way to actually wake up in the morning and do what needs to be done. And if you're like me, you work a lot of hours. And in order to function, you have to make generalizations about the world that you live in. One of the generalizations we do is what this quote is talking about. I believe that we lump people into categories. And we do this based upon our experience and our current level set of knowledge. Now, the downside of doing this is pretty obvious. I mean, we, we really don't know people, especially on the individual level when we do this. And so the, the downside is that we, we, sort of de, we sort of dehumanize people and they dehumanize us when they make generalizations about us. Now, they don't do it to be malicious. I don't believe that they do it to be malicious. I do it because it, it offers them... I mean, think about it. How are you going to sit down and process every single individual on the individual level every day, especially on the scope of social media? It, it, would, be, it would be literally impossible to make generalization, to, to know everybody individually. And so we have to simplify them. And what happens is as we kind of reach these higher levels of abstraction of people, we put ourselves at risk of, of not getting to know them anymore. And so I think one of the downsides of social media is that we tend to condition ourselves to reduce people into simplified versions of themselves. You know, in other words, we, we transform them into the ideas they believe rather than who they are. Or maybe the best word is we transform them into an ideology that they fit into. And so 
the downside of this is, is people have a tendency to treat others negatively or positively, depending on the group that they've categorized them in. There's a reason I'm doing this, because what happens is, is when you interact with others, you have to know that in many cases, when they're talking to you, judging you, arguing you, they're not really talking to you, judging you, or arguing with you. They are judging the group you fit into. They are arguing with the group you fit into. And they are treating you like the group, their opinion of the group you fit into. And it's incredibly important not to take that personally. Because this version of you and the group that they've categorized you as is quite often not within your control at all. Have you ever found yourself in an experience when you're in a discussion or argument and then people say something like, oh, well, you're a Christian and Christians believe X, Y, Z, and therefore you must hate people. You know, obviously that's an extreme example. Or um, you're a libertarian. I'm going to just gonna stay in the middle. And libertarians believe X, Y, and Z. And because you're that, you must hate any kind of laws. And generally you're like, who are you arguing with? I can have varying opinions on varying topics. Like if you're an individual, you you don't always you in, you you definitely don't always fall into that specific category, right? Have you ever found yourself on the receiving end of an argument or a judgment that you're like, who are you arguing with? That's not even me. Like you don't even know me. And and what what's really happening is is they've categorized you and and they're arguing with the category or their perception of your category. And the reason we need to be aware of this is because we wrap, if we, if we struggle with something called codependency, we wrap our self-esteem in what other people think of us. And the reason this is a trap is because what other people think of us is not really what they think of us because they don't know us. And when we allow other people to other people's opinions to affect our self-esteem, we struggle with something that's called codependency. And that is that we need the validation and the approval of them in order to feel healthy and successful. And the downside of this is we don't really dig deep enough into ourselves to find that self-esteem. And I get it. It's, it's extremely terrifying to look inward and to, and to come to terms with the parts of ourselves we don't necessarily love. And so a lot of us live in, in absolute terror that the other human beings in our life will point out those flaws in us because we're, we're spending so much time and energy avoiding them. I, and I'm, the older I get, the more I'm genuinely starting to believe that the, the, most, uh, the only true path to actual self-esteem is full self-knowledge of the good and the bad that is in us so that we can not necessarily categorize ourselves, but we can formulate, formulate a cohesive view of ourselves. And the reason we tend to base our opinion on ourselves on what other people think 
is because that's the easier way, right? It's easier. It's easier to base my self-esteem on what other people think of me than it is to form my own. It's just easier, especially if you've grown up surrounded by people who always approve of everything you're doing. In other words, you have not ever really met with resistance in your life. I think this is one of the the boomerangs of the self-esteem culture is that as we grew up, we never had, and I shouldn't say we, but many never had constructive criticism and critical feedback and pushback on our personalities. And so we were never really challenged to look inward at our own character because we never had to. We were never confronted on, on the flaws of our personality. We were, so, we were told everything about you is great and wonderful and you're perfect and you're, you're perfect just the way you are. And, and no matter what decisions you make, you'll, you'll always be perfect and, and there, you can never do anything wrong. Like, it's all this positive self-esteem reinforcement. And while positively and reinforcement is good, not receiving any criticisms about the things that we do wrong or the bad decisions that we're making is not good because it will give a give us a false perception of who we really are. It will never force us to evaluate why it is we do the things we do. And so it's only natural that the byproduct of this is as we grow up and get older, when people finally, when we go out into the real world and interact with humans or go out into the internet and interact with humans, suddenly somebody's challenging you and they're saying you should not believe this and they're like people are like whoa 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 what, what do you mean this is, this is what i've always believed this is how i was always been you know everybody i love has always told me this is the perfect way to think i've never been resisted i why do you hate me like that that's what it turns into it's like no no it's not it's not a hatred thing it's everything about us is not actually good in fact Every single one of us struggles with a darkness. Every single one of us. And if we don't have the ability to sit down and evaluate and reconcile those darker parts of our personality, then we subject ourselves to a constant trap of being crushed under the weight of the opinions of others, because we just do not have the emotional tools to handle the criticism. Because we don't really fully understand why it is we believe what we believe. Now, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more here in a moment. But first, it's that time that Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Amazon Audible. If you're like me and you love reading, but don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out. Because you listen to this show, for a limited time, you can get instant access to thousands of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of this free limited time offer. That's right, for 30 days, you'll get full access to Audible's Premium Plus catalog, as well as an additional free title of your choosing. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, no problem. You can cancel instantly online. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago, audiobooks began to change my life, and they may change yours too. 
So pause this podcast and head over to Audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org and sign up right now. So how, how deeply rooted is your self-esteem in the opinions of others? So wh- what happens is, is when we get, fall into this trap, this codependency trap of outsourcing our self-esteem to what other people think. And trust me, I'm saying this because I fell into this trap all through my youth. Well, mostly later in my youth as I started actually being challenged. And then all through my 20s. What happens is, is we hide that version of ourselves. That's, that's the first part of that trap. So when we start to, when we don't have our own formulation of why it is we believe what we believe, and we haven't come to terms with the darker parts of ourselves and the flawed parts of ourselves, when people point those out, we hide them. And so we revolve our entire life around avoidance and avoiding these parts of ourselves that people may potentially point out because we need them to like us because we don't really like ourselves. We secretly know that deep down, there are there, there's these ugly parts of ourselves, and we don't want to deal with them, and we don't want to wrestle with them. And so rather than deal with them and wrestle with them, we hide them so that nobody ever points out that they exist. And the problem with this repression is that people will find out eventually, especially if you start to cultivate an intimate relationship with somebody. So what we do is we create an avatar. You know, we... we literally manufacture a false version of ourselves that is genuinely fits the image of what other people think of us because we just cannot deal with the reality of what they may say about ourselves because we don't we have, we don't have the emotional tools now we can start doing that there's great books on this subject by the way one of them's called codependent no more but that's more about not being codependent with other people but the, the honestly the biggest thing we can do is just start being honest and truthful and start journaling and writing out. Listen, this is what I struggle with. I struggle with lust. I struggle with greed. I struggle with resentment. I struggle with anger. And here's the thing is we, every human struggles with these at different stages and degrees of their life. So if I struggle with greed, for example, greed is not a bad thing. Greed, I mean, greed has, greed is a toxification of a good thing. People who are greedy are driven, and driven is a good thing. But greed become, drivenness becomes bad when we utilize that skill for the obsession of obtaining wealth. In other words, we love money so much that we love it more than human beings. Like That's when that drive becomes bad, when we pursue things for the wrong reasons, when we exploit other people so that we may gain, right? So it's not the drive that's a bad thing. It's the the tendency to dehumanize and exploit people in order to accomplish our drive, right? So that's the good. That's the, the good part of that personality trait. Lust is another example. Lust is, is desiring something so much that you're bitter and angry you don't have it yet. And you're almost rebelling against the world. And this doesn't always mean sexual, right? And a lot of people assume that's what it means. But lust is wanting something so badly that you're angry and resentful that that reality will not provide it for you. Now, 
The good part of, quote unquote, the lust struggle, and by the way, lust is every man's battle. Great book. Read that book if, if you struggle with lust, especially if you struggle with sexual lust. It's an amazing book. But the, the, the positive part of that negative trait is a desire for loving something deeply, right? Because those who lust after something, they love something and desire something deeply. That love and desire for something is a good thing. The problem is, is, is when that desire burns us up to the point where we cannot function because we genuinely become angry and bitter that we don't have it. And like, that's when we've crossed that threshold. And we could do this with everything. I mean, there's, there are, for every bad trait of ours that we are just in absolute denial about facing, there is a, a beautiful part of our personalities that line up with it. And it's the same thing with, um, let's say another one, anxiety, right? You struggle with anxiety, and this is something you're in denial about. Anxiety is a normal part of the human condition. Everybody struggles with it. Now, you may be saying, I have panic attacks, and that's fine. I struggled with anxiety my whole life. I get it. And, but, but the anxiety thing is not, doesn't make you a bad person, right? What anxiety is, is it means you are a highly sensitive person. And when you experience stressors in your life, you have a tendency as a person to, to try to think those things through. And that's, that's a valuable personality trait. The ability to project into the future, anticipate possible outcomes. That'll make you incredibly proficient in, in life management and planning. But as with all good things, they can become bad things if, if not honed properly. And so anxiety can boomerang on you in the sense that you can project into negative futures and negative potential outcomes and then and then obsess about them and get trapped into feedback loops where you start looking for evidence that the bad thing is going to happen and then that releases adrenaline and then you start projecting even more because adrenaline makes you even more sensitive so the point of all of this is, is I'm citing these examples specifically because we we categorize ourselves as negative because of these negative things in our life or these, these tendencies we have to fall into the traps in our life, when in reality, all of those things just mean we're human. If you struggle with these things that I listed or other things that I listed, that is not you. That is the extreme version of yourself that you struggle with. This is why I believe in Christianity. One of the main reasons I believe in Christianity as I got older and I was trying to reconcile this part of myself, these darker parts of myself, what I was really trying to do was to beat myself down with my judgments of myself so that I would change my behavior. So if I got anxious, I would beat myself up for it. If I got lustful, I'd beat myself up for it. If I got angry, I'd beat myself up for it. And I would continue to abuse myself to the point of changing my behavior. But the downside of that is even though it will change my behavior, it causes me to bury these issues deep, deep down. And I repress them. This is what I did. I repressed them. And when you repress that part of yourself and you begin to hate yourself, the next Logical conclusion is exactly what this quote is warning us about. When you start to hate yourself because you beat yourself down because of all the things you believe are wrong with you, 
You change the power dynamic between you and every human being you interact with. Instantly, they have control over you because they can say, if they praise you, you need that validation because you hate yourself. If they berate you, you instantly agree with them because you hate yourself. And while most people will not take advantage of this, there is a group of people who, when they find somebody who is emotionally weak and vulnerable like this, whether they are aware of it or not, they will twist and turn you into whatever they want you to become because they will use that lack of self-esteem and that insecurity against you. I know you don't want to believe that this, these people exist. And, and, and what's worse is that if you've beaten yourself so badly down, they don't even have to do much for you, for them to have complete control over you. You will want their approval so much that you will do anything to get it. You hate yourself so much that you will do anything for them to approve you, approve of you. And the reason this, the reason you need to be terrified of this prospect is because once you've fallen into this trap of needing other people's validation, you will never be able to function a happy, in a happy and healthy life. You will constantly chase the approval and validation of other people. And you, who you've been hiding and beating down for so long, will never come out. You will turn yourself into a shell or a husk of a human being, incapable of facing your own darkness. Because you've outsourced your self-image to everyone around you. I'm not judging you. I'm just pointing to what, happens to, what happened to me. And the only way I was able to accept it is rather than beat myself down with a hammer is to accept this Christian idea of forgiveness. This is what worked for me. I'm not saying this is what you have to do. Because that was the old relationship between man and God, was God would beat people. Well, the, uh, the God of the Old Testament, because of the nature of how people were at the time, would use rules and guilt to change the behavior of his people. And he used it in the form of rules and sacrifice. And this was a necessary part of the development of morality, in my opinion. But as when, when Christ came, the, the Christian belief of forgiveness in, entered into the world, and we accepted forgiveness, the whole power dynamic between man and God changed. It went from a, from a guilt-based motivation to follow God and for his approval to a love-based motivation, where you can say, whoa, wait a minute, now I've got unlimited forgiveness no matter what I do, which means that no matter how bad or dark or evil I became or become, I will always be loved and cherished and approved of. And you become so immensely grateful for that forgiveness. Once you fully accept it, which is one of the hardest things, like, whoa, no matter what, once you, once you realize that, you realize that forgiving yourself for all of the bad things about yourself is the cornerstone of healthy self-esteem. Because you're like, okay, let's go back to that list. I struggle with, I struggle with greed. Rather than beating yourself down and saying, wow, I deserve to burn for that struggle. You, the, 
the, the forgiveness dynamic is, yeah, I struggle with this and that's okay. Everybody struggles with it. But I'm going to work on it because I love myself enough to do better at that. Or you could do it with lust. Yes, I'm still making mistakes, but I'm struggling with something. And I love myself. God loves me still anyway. I don't need to beat myself down with a hammer. I just need to, to, to crawl into this and discover what it is about me that needs to be worked on so that I can escape this. You see, with forgiveness, it can give you the courage to walk into those dark corners of your heart. And start to really, really understand why it is you struggle with these things. And specifically what it is that triggers these fears and anxiety. It gives you the freedom of not being terrified about you being a bad person. You are a bad person. We all are. We don't, you don't need to hide it anymore. Because no matter how dark that darkness is within you, you are loved and you are forgiven. When I really, when I first became a Christian, this idea of blanket forgiveness was so contradictory to me. I was, I was a huge, I was so angry about the prospect because I'm like, how am I going to be a good person if I can't beat myself down anymore? I was terrified by the prospect of letting go of my my guilt and self-abuse to change my behavior because I had done it for so long that this idea that if I just, wait a minute, if I just forgive myself, then I'm going to keep doing it. If I don't beat myself up, I'm going to keep doing it. But just like most truths in the world, it was a paradox. When I started to forgive myself the way that God forgave me, a very strange thing happened. Well, first of all, the Holy Spirit came in, but that's a whole different discussion on the metaphysical level. But a whole, a whole bizarre thing started to happen. I started to accept. I, ha, I was forced in a position where I had to accept those dark parts of myself and my personality. And I said, this is me. I am greedy from time to time. I am lustful from time to time. I am angry from time to time. Now what? Okay, well, why am I? If I'm a beautiful person and I'm loved and I'm perfect, supposedly, and I don't mean perfect in the sense that I never do anything wrong, but I was made perfect, then how do I come to terms with these weaknesses and flaws in me? Like, what, what, what is it about these things? Like, what is it that makes me do these things? Because you want, once you start to love yourself, once you begin to actually accept that forgiveness and begin to love yourself because you know that God loves you and every, you know, once you really start to accept that, then this strange phenomenon of, okay, well, why would he love me if I'm this person? And then, and then you start to realize like, well, he doesn't love that we do these things, but he loves us in spite of them. And so now your motivation for change completely changes. You start to change those parts of yourselves because you love yourself instead of you hating yourself. And as you replace those parts of your soul that you were beating down and you hated yourself for for so many years, as you start to replace those parts with loving yourself, 
and understanding yourself and understanding why you fall into these traps and understand like the deeper you, you crawl into that darkness of your heart and come to terms with it and wrestle with it and love yourself for it anyway. Well, then from there comes unlimited self-esteem. There are no depths to which you can love and understand yourself. And it, it requires that foundation of a freed conscience. It requires it. It's an essential component of self-discovery. And I think that's why so many people struggle with this. Because they haven't forgiven themselves. And, and I honestly think Christianity is the cornerstone of that. Because it, it allows you to take everything you've ever done in the past, instantly bundle it up, and pff, gone. You're forgiven. In fact, you're forgiven for all past, present, and future sins. So now, get to work on understanding and loving yourself in spite of the bad things that you do. Reconcile that dark side and that light side of your personality. Bring them together into what is uniquely you. You can start being honest with courage. And if people throw your flaws in your face, you can say, yep, that's me. I know. I'm fully aware. And it's not okay. But you know what? That's me. And I'm working on it. Because I'm part of the human race. We all fall into those categories. So, yeah, I, I hope that people are starting to grasp this concept because if you, if you do not tap into this inner potential and inner self-esteem, the version of you that people create in their mind, you will become enslaved to it. So we must, as individuals, come to terms and wrestle with this, these darker parts of our personality so that we can avoid the trap of enslavement from what other people think and believe. Because from deep inside is where that self-esteem needs to come from. This has been a very fun topic to discuss today. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please like, share, and subscribe on your favorite social network that helps feed the algorithms and helps the show grow. And before you go, make sure you leave a five-star review on whatever podcast network you may be listening on. That also helps feed the algorithms to help the show grow. You can visit the website at wisdomworthknowing.org to connect with me. Also, the show is brought to you by Audible. After you leave, get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now for this limited time offer for my listeners at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E.wisdomworthknowing.org. Until next time, the version of you people create in their mind is not your responsibility. So let's work on being the best version of ourselves we can today because as always, that's all we can do. Have a good day.